you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. Studios. This planet is threatened with destruction, and we who live in it with death. The heavens reek, the waters below are foul. We are in a crisis of survival. This is How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. All right, LA. So, Earth Day was last weekend. A day dedicated to enlisting all the citizens of a bountiful country in the common cause of saving life from the deadly byproducts of that bounty. Okay, fun fact. The first Earth Day was established in 1970 by a group of U.S. senators and activists to promote awareness about air and water pollution. I don't think there's any other issue which is as critical to mankind as the quality of the environment. According to the official Earth Day website, one billion individuals worldwide take some sort of positive action for the environment each year through Earth Day-related events. It may just be one day on the calendar, but it can lead to real change. And speaking of change, we want to do a little gut check or maybe call y'all Angelinos out. Are you all composting at home? Oh, no. No, it's not bad. Actually, not bad. Not bad at all. Well, you should be, because now we're sort of required to by law. California's landmark composting mandate went into effect in January of 2022. It states that all residents and businesses must separate green waste from other trash. Mostly, that's leftover food and kitchen scraps. To comply with this new mandate, LA developed a new composting program called Organics Recycling. The program started in 2018 as a pilot and has now rolled out to 750,000 single-family homes around the city. It came with an ambitious goal, reduce the amount of organic waste in landfills by 75% by 2025. Here's a not-so-fun fact. Landfills are California's third largest source of methane a greenhouse gas that's 10 times more potent than carbon dioxide, and a huge contributor to climate change. All those decaying fruits and veggies we toss in our trash make the problem worse. But the success of the compost program is dependent on the participation of commercial businesses and renters, which has been a bit complex to roll out. As of now, about 2,000 apartments and 4,800 businesses are participating. FYI though, the city serves a total of 67,000 commercial customers, including renters. So there's still a long way to go. It takes some strategy, but it can be done. And we're going to show you how. Climate emergency reporter Aaron Stone and How to LA producer Meg Botel went to one very large apartment complex to show you how it's working. Is this native grass? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> It's being 
thoughtful of our environment and doing business differently for us as multifamily providers and having the imprint of 150 acres in the middle of Los Angeles is huge. That's Erin Tomez. I'm the VP of property management here at Park La Brea. Park La Brea is 150 acres, 4,250 units. We have anywhere from 10 to 11,000 residents in a given day. And I have about 200 employees here for all of our residents as well. Park La Brea rolled out the composting program last year to comply with the state mandate SB 1383. Erin is one of the main forces making it happen at the property. Can you kind of walk us through how you guys started this program? Walk us through that process and how it's been going. It became a very interactive conversation between Park La Brea and Athens. That's Athens Services, one of the largest recycling and food waste haulers here in SoCal. Those are the folks who pick up your trash, recycling, and food waste and bring it to the proper processing facility. And together, Park La Brea and Athens began with an audit of this giant property. How are we recycling? How are we composting? Are we having too many bins for waste and not enough for recycle bins? And it showed and it was remarkable that we were underservicing our recyclables and overservicing our waste. So then we changed our bins to have more blue bins than black. And then we introduced composting. I wanted to talk a little bit about money, right? I mean, I have reported on the rollout of this law. You know, a lot of concerns where, you know, people's trash bills are going to go up. It's more expense for property managers, all of that. Can you kind of walk me through what your experience has been with that? So it overall helped out our savings and our expenses. That's where us doing an audit and seeing that we could lessen our trash bins, increase our recycle bins that are free and then introduce our composting, our net was actually still a savings. But you have to do the work. You have to put forth the effort and have the active conversation. How are we doing business today? How should we do business tomorrow? And how does business look like for us in the long term? All of that is surrounded by a financial component. Can you tell us a little bit about when you guys started composting and how you got people to learn how to do it and and know what to do? Because there is a learning process, right? Education is key. So before we even rolled this out, we were very thoughtful about the education piece, the narrative, to make sure that our residents understood what we were doing, why we were doing it, and then they bought into our why. We gave them the opportunity to be part of the conversation before we pushed it down their throat to say, just do this. We had town halls. We have Earth Day events. When they know why we're doing it and we're not just saying, do this, they buy into it. And that helped with our adoption. What was the why? What was the conversation? How did you share that? Why is this important and why does it matter for you? More often, it's the why not. Why would we not do it? Why would we not want to be thoughtful and engage in things that are going to improve our environment, even by the littlest changes of introducing compost or increasing recycle bins? That may be a small impact here at Park La Brea, but we can be innovators. We can be the first to do it and we can showcase if you can do it at Park La Brea, you can do it anywhere. I'm wondering if you, through your process, have any advice for landlords and property managers who are maybe looking at this and are like, this is going to cost too much and it's not worth it. Really look at, is it really costing us money? 
And is there maybe a capital expense up front? There could be that potential, but does that save you money long term? And, and why not try to do business different and kind of reach for the stars? I think the thought process of it's always going to cost you more money, that's a little short-sighted. And as landlords, we have a duty not only to our owners and our investors, but to our residents to think the long term, the long haul for everyone. All right. So what Aaron is explaining is one side of the process to make composting happen at multifamily complexes. The very important, thoughtful work of the landlords or property managers. That's engaging tenants and ultimately getting the food waste in the bins. But setting up a successful composting system also requires partnerships, specifically with the folks who are going to pick up that organic material and make it do its thing. Cool. Well, yeah, let's check out some uh, dumpster bins. All right, let's go. (laughs) So we're headed out to one of the waste receptacle sites on the property to chat with the people who provide the bins and finish the beautiful composting process. So we're, we're where it all happens. I love, we go from beautiful Park La Brea to here where there's flies and, no, there's not that there's many no flies. flies. There's no flies. I saw one fly. We want to do anything and everything possible to make sure that the transition is very simple and easy and that those that are participating are doing so in the correct manner. This is Jessica Aldridge. I'm the Director of Sustainability and Zero Waste Programs for Athens Services. We are a family-owned and operated recycling, organics, waste collection company, and we're the largest recycling company in Los Angeles County. Been around for more than 60 years. What a waste hauler is, is literally those trash trucks that are driving by the businesses and the homes, and they're picking up your trash. Either it's being picked up by a truck that is landfill bound, it's picking up the recycling and taking that to a materials recovery facility, or it's picking up the organics fracture, which is your food, your food soil paper, and your landscaping waste, and taking all that material and either taking it to a compost facility where it's going to be turned into this nutrient-rich soil amendment, or it's taking it to another place where it can be turned into energy. And the waste haulers don't just take care of the hauling part. They're a crucial part of the entire process, from setting up to maintaining composting systems in the multifamily world. When a new property enrolls in the composting program, a coordinator goes out to that property to do an initial audit with the property manager or landlord. We're also going to walk the property and tell them where they should be placing signage and outreach and education material, how they should be communicating to their residents or to the tenants of their building, if it's a, a commercial building or, you know, even their employees, their staff. And obviously we provide bins and dumpsters like this little guy here. Ooh. <laughs> I can smell that organically. Ooh, let's, let's, oh, no. No, it's not bad. Actually, not bad. Not bad at all. That's not bad at all. Can you tell us a little bit about once it's in the bin, what what happens? Just to take one step back, we have to make sure what's going into the container is the correct material, right? And it can't be contaminated. All food, soil paper that has no liner that is plastic or bioplastic. I don't care if it's supposedly breaks down in compost and it says bioplastic on it. We don't take that. Or wax. No wax as well. We would rather not have bags. If you don't need to use bags, please don't use bags. If you can use the paper bag, fantastic. Dump it in there loose. That is the best way for us to be able to get to the material and you're using less resources. So you're not using something that's going to go to the landfill. 
So the organics are going to be processed in one or two ways. Either they're going to go to our aerobic compost facility in Victorville, California. There, we're going to put them through like this mini MRF. You know, you know, we had the MRF for recycling, but this is like a MRF for organics. By the way, a MRF is a materials recovery facility, basically a sorting plant. And they're going to pull off the things that they don't want to go into the pile. So they'll pull off the bags. They'll rip the bags open. They'll liberate all of the contents of the food from the bags. The food will go on to be composted and the bags and the other stuff that wasn't supposed to in there, be in there will go to a landfill pile. Then the materials will be processed in an aerobic situation, which are these long windrow tunnel-like piles that will eventually become compost that have air being pushed in from the bottom to be able to process this material in a quicker manner. Or they're going to go to our organics press and that is going to take those organics material, press all the liquid fracture out of it, and that liquid is then going to be transported to a wastewater treatment plant where it's going to be turned into energy. And the remaining fracture is going to then go to a compost facility north of Los Angeles to be processed further. Most of that food waste will be turned into compost, nutrient-rich soil. But some of it will be turned into energy to fuel things like trash trucks or even electricity. The largest amount of material going to a landfill is organics waste, is 30%. The amount that constitutes as food is 14 to 18%. So that's a huge chunk of our landfills that are totally compostable, which is why large-scale composting systems like this are incredibly important to set up and successfully maintain. But Jessica emphasized systems like this aren't the only way to compost there are many different opportunities to be able to capture the organics. At-home composting, small composting, those are incredibly important. One is that you're keeping the organics local. It also is an opportunity for people to see what's really happening to their organics, to get their hands dirty, to be right there because this material doesn't just go away. So to be able to see the value come out of your actions is so incredibly important. So what are your hopes for the future of this program? I want as many people as possible in Los Angeles, in Southern California, in the state, to understand how easy it actually is to separate your organics in your kitchen and why this is so incredibly important. It's not just something that maybe the state is telling you to do. It's one of the most valuable ways we can reduce our greenhouse gas emissions The third largest source of human-related methane emissions is coming from the decomposition of organics in our landfill. So just by doing this simple act in our kitchen, I really think that this is gonna move the needle on really doing something about that third largest source of human-related methane emissions. That was Jessica Aldrich from Athens Services and Aaron Tomez from Park La Brea Apartments. Thanks to Aaron Stone, climate emergency reporter for LAist, who helped us understand more about composting. If you live in an apartment building that is not currently composting, talk to your landlord. Maybe send them this episode for a not-so-gentle reminder to start that conversation If you're a homeowner and want to know more about how to begin your composting journey, we will have more info in our newsletter. You can find that on elias.com slash howtoLA. Alrighty, y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.
This episode of How to LA was produced by Megan Botel. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAist Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com slash sweeps. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events.